Let's go to God in prayer before we open our text this morning. Father, we thank you for the time we have to share together, uh, for the joy and the, the privilege that we have of gathering with our brothers and sisters, uh, with your people, with your body, uh, for the work that you do and the constant pursuit that you have of us. Uh, we thank you for the way that you continue to shape and mold and transform us as we are willing and able to surrender and submit to we thank you for your protection and for your guidance, for the spirit that dwells within us and leads us from this place into a world so desperate for the message of your son. Pray for these next moments as we open your word that we would be still, that our spirits would be willing, our minds would be open, our ears would be ready to hear what you would have us hear, and that we would be shaped more and more into your image each day. We pray for boldness and we pray for courage as we leave this place to see where your spirit leads and guides, to follow the urges and the way that he pushes and shapes our steps. May we be a people of sacrifice and a people of surrender. May we be yours. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. All right, so damaged goods we've been kind of talking about the we started last week this series about how we deal with adversity that comes into our lives and and how we deal with those moments where um maybe you kind of sit and look and think this isn't fair maybe you um don't know how to handle certain things that come about sometimes those things that happen are direct results of some choices that we've made um, sometimes it's just a matter of living life in a world that is fallen um, there are all kinds of things that affect us that impact us in many ways and so the question becomes how do we as christians cope in those areas in those times uh, and thankfully what we see over and over again in scripture is that god does his best work with damaged people um, all of the people that he works with are damaged in fact he does so because he really has no other option, right? Uh, because as humans, we are all damaged in one way or another. Uh, for those of us who are Christians, we understand that even though we find ourselves in a state where we are damaged, where we have those flaws, we have those aspects of our lives that we would rather not have, and we know God would prefer those things to be out of our lives. They frequently persist, and they're hard to get rid of. We don't act the way we should all the time. We don't talk the way we should all the time. We don't embrace people the way we should all the time. We frequently do things that are counter to our calling as Christians. Yet God continues to work. He always responds. He is always faithful. He always answers. Uh, he always answers to the, or fulfills the promise that he has made even when we do not. And so when we're in these times, there are several things we can do. Last week we talked about wisdom, seeking the wisdom of God in those moments to be wise. Uh, right? And, the, and the, the first instinct that we have is to turn inward on our own instincts, on our own uh, knowledge, on our own wisdom, um, and our own desire for self-preservation, usually. And we respond generally in a way that is... Uh, 
neither pleasing nor in line with God's will. And so we talked about how we tap into God's wisdom in those moments to be still and to allow His Spirit to speak into us. And uh, today I want to look at reconciliation. Here's what we know, right? We know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the earth, He created this place, this perfect place where God and man live together in perfect harmony. Until that one day when a serpent entered the picture and fouled it all up with his temptation, mankind made a choice to do something that was against God's explicit command, which is why I don't eat fruit today at all. Right? I just, man, I, I just, I'm, I'm boycotting fruit because it's because of fruit that all this mess started, right? <laughs> And from that moment on, from that moment on, the story God has written, the plan that God has set in place, has been here for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is that all creation might be reconciled back into himself. From the moment we messed up, God had a plan to bring everything back into harmony. And isn't that where we find ourselves in those times, in those, in those storms of life that come, where we feel like we've been hit and knocked around and pushed around, we don't know which way is up, and we're spinning? It's just a mess. Sometimes we have issues with one another. Sometimes we have issues with family. Sometimes we have issues with work. Sometimes we have issues with health. But throughout it comes this theme of what we need is reconciliation. To be reconciled. Samuel read for us just a moment ago out of Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to think about something. We'll go right here. As we think about reconciliation, I want want you to think about what it means. And we talked about it some this morning about um, community about what it means to be a family, right? When, when, when you have family, there are times where we don't really agree, right? Um, I don't have to spend too much time at my house before we start disagreeing. Some of it comes from experience. Some of it comes uh, from the things that have happened you know, in our lives immediately that others don't know about. Some of it comes from our position in life, but there are these points of conflict that we have. Um, I told you about my brother last week. I remember one Thanksgiving, we were sitting in the living room. Dustin had the biggest man crush on Colt McCoy, quarterback at that time for the Texas Longhorns. He was a good man, came from a good family. They were actually members of the Church of Christ. Um, He and Jordan Shipley, every Sunday morning, were at Westover Hills Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. Didn't matter how late they got in on Saturday night after a game, they were always there. And he had a number 12 jersey. He had a Colt McCoy poster. He wanted a Colt McCoy this. He wanted to be Colt McCoy. And, and finally, finally, there was some athlete out there that I felt okay with him wanting to emulate. And we're sitting in the living room, Thanksgiving Day, watching the Texas-Texas A&M football game. 
And my little brother, who is married but has no children, says, you know, Colt McCoy and Jordan Shipley are on steroids. I said, they are not. And we went back and forth. I don't argue with him because it's pointless, but I argued with him on that. And we went back and forth, and he's like, you see how big they got? And I said, man, when I turn 23, I ballooned up too. Your metabolism slows down. You're maturing. You can't say they're on. You can't say that. You have no proof. And my dad finally got up, and he said, you two, stop it. You're upsetting your mother. Mother or dad? I'm not sure which, but he used mom as the excuse. And I stopped for a minute, and I said, I, I said, Dad, I can't. I said, and I, I said, Jordan, someday you will understand. Someday you will understand. But I will not sit here and allow you to destroy something that my son holds of high regard with absolutely no proof and no evidence with just your little whimsical rant. And he said, oh, he's in the other room. He doesn't hear. I said, man, they hear everything. Trust me. There have been things I have said that I thought I was way out of earshot of my children until it comes back. I said, oh, they hear, and someday you will understand. You see, sometimes our, our conflicts comes just because we are in two very different parts and points of life. We have different perspectives. And when we're in the middle of something, of some kind of turmoil, of some storm, what we don't understand is how we get things back right whether it's right in our own lives or right with family or right with friends or right with the church because it's hard to find that way but when we seek God's wisdom and seek to be reconciled we find ourselves back in protection you go into an ice cream shop and you see a, a bunch of bananas hanging on the counter there. As long as the bananas are in a bunch, they're safe. But as soon as one banana gets removed from the bunch, there's danger for the banana, right? It's about to get skinned and split and consumed probably. Right? Because there, there is safety when you're in the bunch. The same is true for us as Christians when we are together, when we are united as a body, when we are all being surrounded by people who have the same goal, the same likeness, who are of one mind. Even when we're in the middle of the storm, we are protected and we are guarded. But it's when we isolate ourselves from the body and from the group that we place ourselves in a position of vulnerability. And it's dangerous. But we've become far too content to just kind of stand in our own little way and whether we're pouting because we didn't get our way or whether we're stewing on something that happened that we don't like or whether something is really going on that's got us all messed up in the head, we just don't want to know and so we stand and we just continue to push the body further and further away. And we place ourselves in more and more of a vulnerable position. Be reconciled. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12. We mentioned it this morning. Um, I read it in the message this afternoon. In the message, I want you to listen to it. It says this. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? 
a three-stranded rope is not easily snapped. To be back in the fold with the people, how do we seek reconciliation? The first thing we have to do is we have to take the time to create peace. I think I, uh, I, think I missed this on the, on the PowerPoint here, so you're just going to have to pretend that that's up there, okay? Take the time to create peace. All right, what does Jesus say about peacemakers? He says they are blessed. And it's not peacekeeping, right? Peacekeeping is much different than peacemaking. All right, I can keep the peace in a passive way. All right, I can just kind of keep people away from one another and just keep peace. Well, we just don't let these paths cross because bad stuff happens when those two paths cross. But to be a peacemaker, to be one who sets out to see what can I do to make things easier for you today? What can I do to make sure that conflict does not well up against us because I will be a person who creates peace everywhere I go? Not keeps it, not enjoys it, but creates it. Well, easier said than done, right? Maybe. Maybe, but with some intentionality and with some, sometimes when we set out and you say, you know what, today, today, I'm going to go be a peacemaker. We set out with that goal in mind. We begin with the end in mind. Uh, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says, begin with the end in mind. Uh, he, he says, picture this, you're at your funeral. What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? When people are gathered around memorializing your life, what do you want them to say about you? Live your life today with the end in mind so that you can start fulfilling what people will say about you. Be a people who create peace. Uh, For Christians, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21 is what I really hope to hear from God at the end of my life. Well done, good and faithful servant. You're faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We long to hear those words, don't we? For God to look and say, well done, good and faithful servant, not because of the work that we've done because of the life that we lived in Christ but we live in such a way to strive to hear those words put first things first that's another way that we can create peace we put first things first we acknowledge what things are important what things are less important and what things just need to go away Uh, they have another saying that says, don't major in the minors. <laughs> but we're good at majoring in the minors. We're, we're good at fighting over every little thing. We take an inside-out approach uh, to, to problem-solving and to creating goals. We begin inside and, and moving towards you know, the outward body. What, what do I need? What goal do I need to set for myself? What do I need to do to create peace? So that as a body, we can then in turn grow together as people who are creators of peace. And most importantly, where does Jesus fit 
maybe more importantly, how does everything else fit around my desire to be like Him? That when we prioritize things, I set that goal of being like Christ out ahead of everything else, and then the, anything else that comes along has to fall in line with that. But that is the benchmark with which we measure everything. Romans chapter 1 and verse 8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. And Paul was so good about first committing everything to Christ. He says, First, I go to God for you. I thank my God for you. It was always about mimicking the life of Christ and allowing the other things to come into line. Well, one, of the, one of the greatest inhibitors to being creators of peace is this violent action that we tend to have when we find ourselves in moments of defense. Our mind changes, our heart changes, our demeanor changes. It affects everything about us. But if we can avoid violent action by avoiding a violent spirit, so much more can be done with us. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. There's a different kind of, 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 of spirit that we have to live with, not because of anything except for what God has done for us. And when we understand what God has done, then we have a different whole outlook of life. We approach things differently. But how easy is it to lose sight of the goals that we have in life because we get so focused on the obstacle? We get so focused on what's going on and what we have to overcome that we forget where we're going so that when we do clear the obstacle, we don't know which way is up or which way to start going. We find ourselves still rolling around, mired in the mud, entangled in a mess. And we don't know which way to go. But life is about choices, isn't it? You can do the things that need to be done. And you can do them with a bad spirit, with a bad attitude, with a defeatist mentality. Or you can choose to have a spirit of peace. And just because I'm at peace with something doesn't mean I'm okay with it. There are things that go on in life that I am not okay with, but I can still be at peace. I can still have a positive spirit and a positive mindset as we seek towards the things that are coming. But if we can avoid that violent spirit, that violent mind that our culture would just have us just say is so normal and is so right, We can be people of peace. We can be people of reconciliation. Some questions to ask, right? If we are going to be people who create peace, if we're going to be people who create a state of reconciliation, I'm going to give you two questions to ask yourself. And the first one is simply this. 
What is love? I can't tell you how hard it was to not go on with the rest of the lyric of that line, right? (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. What is love? Some people would say that love is different for everybody. But that's not really true. Love is expressed differently for everyone, but love is, is it flowers? Is it chocolate? The creators of Valentine's Day would have you believe that that definitely is love. And a card. Don't forget the card. And jewelry. And I don't know, I don't know what it's supposed to be for, for us guys. Just the joy of buying flowers, chocolate, and the jewelry, I guess. Right? That's love. Is it deeds? Is it words? Is it action? What is love? You can read throughout the Bible and you find out that God is love. You could take the easy way out and go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you, know, you have a pretty good definition of love there, but still it just kind of describes it but it doesn't really tell you what it is. Is it a verb? Is it a noun? Is it something that you can do or something you can have? Or is it just a descriptor? Or does it just mean I really, really like something because that seems to be the way that we use it frequently? We ask ourselves a question because what we find out when we read through Scripture, you read First John, you says God is love. And if you're going to be His people, then you are to be love as well. And if you don't love your brother, how can you say the love of God is in you? So we have to understand the love of God so that we can emulate the love of God. So that we can find ourselves walking in the light. These are the images that John paints. John talks about love a lot. Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. I think it's a pretty good description or pretty good definition of love. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Maybe that's something that we need to hold on to. Especially in those times where we are, when we are spinning. Where we don't know which way is up. When the storms of life have come and, and all the stuff is in a little bit of chaos around us. And the question we ask, I'm to be a man of love. I'm to be a woman of love. But what is love? I don't conquer evil with evil. But I will always conquer evil with good that I will allow the good things of God to work in my life, the blessings of God to work in my life, my strife to be like Him, to be what overcomes evil in my life. But it is so easy to lose focus, to become so intent on the obstacle that we lose track of where we are headed. And God's, God's GPS is so different than mine. I want the highway. So many times he takes the back roads. He takes us down through places I've never been before, through unfamiliar territory, through places where I feel uncomfortable and stretched. But I do have a choice, right? 
I have a choice about my mentality, about the way I will act and the way I will choose along the road to have a mind of peace, a spirit of peace, or a spirit of defeat. Satan will shove that spirit of defeat down your throat over and over and over again. And it is so easy just to take it and to swallow it and to just allow it to take root and become a part of you. And it will destroy you. What is love? We must be loving to be an overcomer. Well, the next question is this. What really matters? Right? What really matters? What is love and what really matters? Uh, let me phrase it a different way. Is this a hill that I am willing to die on? That mindset works in business. That mindset works in family. That mindset works in the church. That mindset works as preachers. It works as elders. It works as, it, it works as everything. Is this a hill that I am willing to die on? Um, there are some that are worth fighting for. There are others that's just like, mm, no, it's not really worth it. I've had conversations with, with an elder who, you know, they, they took something away that they thought was really important to our youth ministry in Kansas. And one of the elders came to me afterwards and said, I really expected more pushback from you on that. And I said, eh, take it or leave it. That's just a fun thing. We can do all kinds of fun things. I said, now, if you would have told me I couldn't do this, <laughs> you couldn't get a fight on that. Because I'm, I'm not letting this get taken from my kids. I said, but that, nah, we can replace a fun thing with another fun thing. That's no big deal. We have to make those choices every day. What really matters? Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. Um, this is what Paul says to Yodi and Sintiki. Philippians, as we've mentioned, is all about reconciliation. I urge Yodi and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Get over it. I urge you, whatever it is that's going on, this is not a hill worth dying on. Get right. Agree in the Lord and find out what really matters. Because the question is, you might be right, but what are you willing to put on the line for your rightness? I'm sitting at a stoplight. My light turns green. There's an 18-wheeler rolling, uh, rolling down the road, and I know he's not going to be able to stop, and he's got a load. My light's green. What am I willing to put on my right and my ability to be right? i got to decide what really matters, this stoplight or the rest of my life. Because if I take advantage of my rights at this moment, it's not going to be pretty. But life is like that. We constantly have to decide what is a battle worth fighting. Everything is not worth fighting over. 
And sometimes we find ourselves in this combat mode where we are just fighting everybody over everything and we never find ourselves at peace with anyone. And that is not, that is not the way God has called us to live as his children. To live at peace, to be peacemakers. To choose carefully. Choose carefully the hills we decide to stake our lives on. To know what really matters because we have decided that we will be peacemakers. That we will be people of love. That we will be people of reconciliation. And our objective in life will be to bring people back into a relationship with God and not push them further away. And when the storms of life come, we will seek reconciliation. We will seek to be peacemakers. That we may see the way God has worked through those things when we get to the other side.